everybody. Welcome to Busy Lippin' Soapbox. Busy Lippin' Soapbox. Busy Lippin' Soapbox. It is episode 164. 164 episodes. And I'm really, really excited about my next guest. And I really think he's a cool dude. And I might be impartial because he is my son. Here we are in Time Outland. I call it Time Outland. 2020, the year of Time Outland, and I'm really excited to have my son, Kent, on the show. Hi, Kent! Hi, glad to be here. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. You've never done this, have you? No, I've never done this, and honestly, I've never listened. So. You've never it's the listened. It's first time for everything, right? <laughs> You've never even listened to your mom? No, I try not to. <laughs> That's terrible. That is so terrible. So tell us this what is it like having. A mom that does all this crazy stuff and has these videos and does these podcasts. And I guess, bottom line, what is it like having an alcoholic mom? Well, I think those are two very different things. Um, I think it's great what she's doing, what my mom is doing, what you're doing to uh, to really help people that are you know, struggling with alcoholism and uh, really looking at it altruistically and doing the best you can to, you know, pay it forward. I think that's great. Um, and I think, you know, living with an alcoholic mom can, you know, definitely be hard at times, especially in the beginning. But uh, now it's just, you know, she fills those, the void that alcohol is left with, uh, with other thing, other vices like shopping or haranguing myself, my brother, stepdad or sister, or obsessing over the dogs. But um, I don't know. I think it's definitely... Um, everything's turned for the better and, you know, having multiple alcoholic parents, including my dad, stepdad, and my mom, you know, I think that it's, um, I think what she's doing is great and, uh, and she's always, she's, there's never a dull moment in the house, let me put it that way. So, Kent, do you remember what it was like when, when you were a kid and your mom was drinking? Because how old were you when you, when I got sober? Uh, I don't know. You were 10. 10, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't really remember it that much. You don't? No, to be honest. I mean, I remember some things. Like, we got into, there were definitely more heated arguments, um, and other things. But, yeah, nothing really that big. And then, when I, like, did, so, did it ever, has it impacted your life at all, having an alcoholic mom? Like, to, so, when you went to college, or when you were in high school, and there was drinking, like, did any of that ever affect you? Mm, no. Um... I think if anything, it really taught me. It showed me what I, what I didn't want to be. Uh, Cause, I really you know saw at the, you know my my mom and my dad both had these goals for themselves they set and both of them had alcohol to get in the way of accomplishing them, and uh, I sort of I saw it as that and took it as a you know keep on myself know my limits. Um, I'm not a, I wasn't a teetotaler in college and I'm still not now. Um, I drink, um, and I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't have a problem. Um, I have no problem pouring myself a glass of whatever I want and then putting, being done and drinking water afterwards. And, uh, I've sort of used it to be more observant of the issues and it, it sort of has exposed me to some of the signs of alcoholism so that I'm able to pick up on them better than I was before. 
So when you went off to college, I know that there were, I mean, I, I definitely kept you, uh, kept you on a very short leash in high school when you were living at home. It, to, to, it to be <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I was on, well, it was, yeah, I was on a short leash. Uh, you were sort of a helicopter mom, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, it was, I had a, my first year of college. I you know, definitely tested my limits and pushed them the nth degree but uh i think that it was for the best because i think that everyone i'm a strong believer that you need to know your limits before so you don't just go out and absolutely surpass them so you know i i drank in high school and i knew what it was like to get drunk i didn't know what it was like to black out until i was in college um didn't really was never a fan of waking up and being and not really remembering what was happening or what happened or anything like that so, um, you know, the binge drinking thing and that stuff didn't appeal to me. I mean, I was in a fraternity. I did all the stuff. I had a, I had a great time, but I, none of that like extreme, like, oh, let's go drink or let's mix drugs and drink never really appealed to me just cause I didn't want to, I never liked not remembering things when I woke up. So when you, when you, and I think that for the first time when you went to college, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I think you were also exposed to people that you hadn't been expo- you, you saw a lot more with your father drinking than you did with me, and definitely have more of a vivid memory of that. Yeah. I would would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would say my yeah, I definitely would have my um, I my my father would up until my senior year in high school would pretty much drink himself to sleep every day. But uh, and what was that like? I mean, it, you didn't ever really notice it because you know you go off to bed and he would stay downstairs, so there was never really something that I noticed or picked up on. I mean, obviously, like there was there were issues that he needed to deal with internally, and I think that that's something that you, I think that everyone's on their own journey. And I mean, I'm a firm believer, as my mom has probably said on this podcast a bunch of times, you know, you can nothing's going to happen unless they want to do it themselves. So that's what that's my belief system is that you know I can I, I had friends who had problems who have drug problems and still have drug problems and it's sort of like you can do all you want and say until you can sit until you're blue in their face and saying yeah you're killing yourself but until they see it themselves they're not really going to do anything to change it. Did you have a hard time approaching your friends and being honest with them about what you thought because you had such an open conversation about it in your house where you grew up I mean you spent 50% of your time if not more yeah. at my house where so did that give you the opportunity that you felt like you you could say something because you had a little bit of knowledge or yeah or well yeah both and it was it was I had that strong basis at home and then I also had I mean are we allowed to swear? <laughs> no, you you really shouldn't swear. I don't want you to swear okay. ever. I think you have more vo- words in your vocabulary okay. than need to sh- swear. Well, it was that, and the people were just making you know complete asses of themselves and of uh, my friends and my fraternity so it was sort of it came from two parts where it was their problems were affecting everyone around them and it was taking them aside or with some friends being like dude you can't do anything and I, I have a vivid memory I was in the, uh, two of my best friends or well sort of they were best friends at the time and now one's more my best friend the other one is he's sort of fallen off but um, we were in New York together and we were at a bar we had been drinking most of the day and uh, we were at a bar downtown, and it was an Irish pub. And he had got the other friend who had dropped off. Um, he was a drunk, and we all knew that. And he got 
belligerently drunk, always made a fool of himself, never got, would never take no from, whenever anyone was like, stop, stop doing this, you're making a fool of yourself, he would say, you know, F you. So, we after he got us all kicked out of the bar, this is three guys and, a, and one guy's girlfriend, all kicked out of a bar, and this was like three in the morning in Manhattan, we are in, we go to the inlet uh, in the opening of this pizza shop. And are literally ha- all three of us are drunk, but we're having an intervention for this other guy while we're all drunk in this in this pizza like entrance. <laughs> and how'd that go over? Uh, like a lead balloon, you know. I ended up. Uh, it used to be I would go to New York and stay at his place, and I ended up staying. I now stay at my other friend's place, and you know he's he still has a drink. He apparently has stopped drinking and doing a lot of stuff, but is still he has he has his problems. He has his demons, and. Um, I mean, I haven't really heard from him that much. Not really, not many people have. So it's sad, but it's also like he never wanted to change. And so I know also in college, well, at least you would tell me you would have to go to the hospital a lot. How was that? Like, were you, did you go to the hospital a lot to take your, I know you personally did not. Yeah, so I personally, so I was in a leadership role in my fraternity and often had to be the one to, not only did I take it upon myself to do this, but also... I would be the one when someone was sick or they would screwed up or something like that. I would take care of them. So I'd take one friend to the hospital for a seizure. I'd take one, uh, two friends to the hospital. I'd take the same kid to the hospital twice for a drug problem. Um, he was actually coming down, and his withdrawal symptoms were so bad that he was had, he had to go to the hospital. And so that was fun. Um, but, yeah. Do you still talk to those people? Yeah, every so often. How are they doing? Are they sober or are they no, not sober yet? They're not sober. Do you think they want to get sober? Um, I don't know. I can't speak for them. I think that I've had conversations with them and, you know, some of them want it. Some of them don't. Some of them are just arrogant and, you know, think they're invincible still. And, you know, it's just everyone's journey and it's... You know, there are definitely some problems that are going on right now in, in their lives and existentially, and they aren't really handling that healthily. And so here you are. Now you're a gradu- you've graduated from college, and you got a job doing what you wanted to do. And so having an alcoholic mom, and I, I've, always, I've always been fascinated. This is a big question I've had for a very long time, and I've never asked you this, and I'm asking you on the podcast, and I don't know if you're going to feel comfortable with it or not, but was there a difference between growing up when you would be at your dad's house when there was drinking and when you were at my house when there wasn't drinking? Yes and no. I mean, at dad's house, my dad would just sort of let us do what we wanted to do. But we, it was, you'd have different things. So, like, we would have breakfast all together. Well, up until, for the most part, up until the end when his drinking got bad and before he went to rehab, um, uh, it would be, you know, we'd have breakfast together and stuff like that with our dad. And then my mom would have dinners together um, and my dad's house. But most of the time with dad, I would honestly, Henry and I would be on our own thing, doing our own things. We'd be in our, you know, playing the Xbox or playing on the computer um, and sort of doing our own things. And while at your house, you didn't allow us ever to have a video game system, and uh, we would go outside and play. And I mean, definitely you were more, you know, uh, uh, all over what we were doing. But I think that it was 
Did the drinking interfere with his with, with his parenting? I mean, it, it, it definitely there was a change. There was a change. I mean, it went from someone who would like wake up at five a.m. and make pancakes on Fridays and have pancake Fridays or uh, and stuff like that to you know not really doing that. And it, yeah, it definitely affected him, um, and it probably still affects him to this day. He's, he's a recovering alcoholic still, but he's. He hasn't relapsed. He's still doing meetings, but it's just something that, you know, it's some it's some aloofness that he had pretty much for the latter half of our parent of our growing up. So, do you think that alcohol changed him, or do you just think that was his DNA prior to even picking up a drink? I think alcohol changed him because there was a time when we were growing up and he was so and he was sober. I mean, he was a he was a dry drunk, but uh, yeah, there was definitely like he was a good dad at that time. Like, I have fond memories of we would all hang out in the backyard. We'd play sports together or army or something like that. We'd teach us how to mow lawn, the mow the lawn, chop wood, um, and, you know, be very active. And then as he started to drink, um, you know, he started and he, you know, he had somewhat control of it. And then as most, when most alcoholics relapse, as I assume, is that it's, you know, starts off, oh, I'm in control of it, but then very slip, very quickly deteriorates and didn't having no control whatsoever. So, yeah, it went from someone who was very active and vested to someone who was drinking, drinking, drinking more. Yeah. So, yeah. so if there's a kid listening or a young adult listening or someone even you're in their 20s or 30s and they have parents that have that were like your parents what if, if any words of advice or encouragement that you would have i would i want to know what that would be and how you got through and what were some of the tools you used to get through and having an over menacing mother that was totally overprotective well i guess i'll start at that um i i'll say this first just so everyone i my mom and i fought tooth and nail pretty much every day um, Why was that? Well, we're very similar people um, in that we're both stubborn. Um, we're outgoing. And outgoing. And I think that, you know, we, I wanted to, I often wanted to do something and she wanted me to do the other thing. And I don't like being told what to do. So we fought a lot. But I think, you know, in my own right, I'm a very uh, self-sufficient person. So, I mean, I took it, I didn't really internalize their alcoholism and didn't really, I saw it as, as a lesson to learn from rather than, you know, how, then it infected, that it affected me and it, and inhibited me from doing things. I mean, yes, there were other issues at play that prohibited me from doing things more than their alcoholism, but I think it all played into that. I mean, it all played into that and... But I never really took it upon myself. I took it more as a how can I learn to do, become a better person? How can I do better? I mean, I also had more responsibilities thrown at me when I was a younger age. So um, I think for anyone to, that's going through this, you have to look at it as, you know, how can you improve yourself? And never look at it as this is I can't improve because of this. Like you need to look at it as as a turning point and not as a detractor, not as a stopping, not as a, I need to stop and this is affecting me and I'm a, a I mean, it's, I, I don't want to be triggering people, but it's, you can't be in the victim mindset. Like everyone has their own demons and you have to realize that. And if you're trying to compensate for other people's demons, then you're hurting yourself and you're never going to develop. So, and you're just going to hurt your overall happiness. 
you just got to live and understand and hope that the person's going to get better. But again, as I said earlier, you can talk until you're blue in the face, but if they don't want to change, you have to realize that that's something they don't want. And you're just, uh, you're, I mean, I, it sounds awful and pessimistic, but you're honestly wasting your breath. All you can do is give them the resources and then they can do what they want to do. It seems like you went to Al-Anon, but I know you didn't. It's yeah. very nice because you didn't. I, you didn't have a pity part. You weren't like, oh my god, my parents are alcoholics. My life's horrible. No, I remember. I mean, I remember being in school and my parents were divorced, and they had me in a divorced parents thing, like a help group, and at school. At school, and I was like, what the actual f am I doing here? Like I'm like there were people that were like crying about how their parents were getting divorced, and I was like, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, it matters, and it disrupts your home life, but it's not the end of the world. Like, you're still going to have food on your table. You're still going to have a roof over your head. You're still going to... You have two people who still love you. It's just like there's a disruption in your life, and it's about... It's all about turning points and moving on and learning from them and not about having them stop you where you are. So... Well, I mean, there are some people that don't get food on their tables because of the alcoholism. And I think that you have friends that had parents that were debilitated as well, that you have no people that didn't have. Like, I think you were lucky that, you know, I don't know, you were 10 years old when I got sober. So I think that I, and I don't want to say that I'm all powerful or better than anybody else, but I do know that I was, I made sure that all the food was on the table and I made sure that things got done, even though it was hard. So maybe it seemed easier on the outside than it really was, but I'm glad at least you you saw that example because you were young when I I, I finally put down the drink, and um, with having um, friends, you know, because it's another thing I want to talk about. I know that when we were at a when we were at your graduation and you had some friends there, and they took you aside because because you have friends whose parents drank with them and what did they what did the parents did your friends think it was cool that their parents got down oh, with them no I mean there were obviously I mean there were some parents that were like cooler than others and there but it's there's a fine line you cross between you know a dad uh, like this is a great example we were at we had a fraternity gathering it was father's weekend and you know most dads yeah they would drink with us during the day and then we'd go out to dinner or a bar and then they drink with us there, but then at like ten, like at a normal, reasonable time to be an adult, they'd be like, "Okay, guys, like, I'm done. You know, go home. Uh, I'm going back to the hotel. Thanks. I'll see you guys tomorrow." Like what you'd expect a normal dad to do, like what I expect myself to do when I have a son in there in a fraternity. But there, there was one or two dads who stayed out and sort of made an absolute fool of themselves. It's sort of like you're just trying to relive your college days. And they would just stay out. They stayed out with us until like 2 or 3 in the morning and hit on girls that were, you know, half the, the age of their daughters and stuff. And it was just embarrassing for not only the kid but for us. And, yeah, there was a kid. There was a friend of mine who was in my fraternity, and he, like, pulled my mom aside and was like, I wish my dad was more like you because he had a drinking problem. So... So were you embarrassed to have me as an alcoholic there? No. I'm not embarrassed. No, I don't, I'm never embarrassed to have it. Like, it, again, it goes back to, like, I, I'm a firm believer in let every, like, let live and let live. Like, how is someone else's lifestyle personally affecting mine? And it's not. So why should anyone else care? And 
So are you ever worried that you might have the gene or, I mean, do you think that you probably, like, when you go out, are you, are you, I, I'm sure you're not conscious of it all the time, but sometimes do you think, oh my God, I pray I don't have a problem? I mean, yeah, of course, it's at the back of my mind, but I think that, I think that at the end of the day that I'm not really worried about it. I mean, I've yeah, have I gone out and had one too many drinks and woken up the next morning and been like, oh, I wish I didn't have, I wish I had one less. Yeah, I think everyone who drinks has that. Um, but I also, you know, just as many times as I have those days, I have days where I'm literally just sit, I'll go out to dinner with my girlfriend and get like an old fashioned or a beer and we'll be done for the day. And just as many days we'll also have we'll be sitting there and like. We'll think uh, we'll have beer in the fridge from the day before and be like, eh, I don't really want to drink. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to. Like, I'm ne- I've never been one, well since college. I've never been one to like binge drink, really. Like, I've had I'll drink one day and I'll be like, okay, that was good for my. I'm good. It's a Saturday. I need to relax. And also, I, I when I'm in D.C. and before this pandemic hit, I was working a lot. I would work, you know, my normal job and then I'd work at a, at the bar. So. And so do you think, I believe, and, and, and again, you can agree or disagree, I believe, I think that knowing that this is a disease and that you, have, that you could potentially have it makes you more aware than it would if you didn't know. Like, if somebody didn't know. Like, I think that if I had known, oh my gosh, alcohol is, instead of going, oh my God, they're an alcoholic, they're an alcoholic, they're an alcoholic, in a very derogatory sense, and nobody said it to me like, oh my God, they're an alcoholic. And by the way, when you start drinking, you could have a problem. That wasn't beneficial. But I wonder if it is beneficial to know that you have alcoholism in your family and one day you could get you could be an alcoholic if you go over that line. Do you think that education and that knowledge has been helpful in your journey? Yeah, I think it has been. I think that it absolutely has been. Because it's... I think that there are people who go through the can go through the world not knowing anything about alcoholism and then you know they end up they drink you know they they'll, they'll drink themselves to sleep every night and they don't think they have a problem um and there are also people who like will not drink at all and then they'll drink they'll drink a bottle in a weekend and that's a problem too so it's all about I mean, I think the education has really helped me realize, like, realize what the factors are, what the symptoms are, what the outcome is. And I know that, you know, if I go out on a weekend, if I'm, I know that I have, I'll know I have a problem when I'm going and drinking. I'll go out and I'll drink myself blackout and the next morning I'll start drinking again. And I mean, that's when... Uh, yeah, that's when you know you have a problem. Like, I know what the signs are. And I also know that my mom would dog me and be like, oh, you're an alcoholic. So. Well, are you scared to talk to me about it? Cause of, or do you think that me no. being so open about it I, gives no, you the I'm opportunity to call? I'm extremely open about it. I'm extremely open about it. Like, you know what drugs I've done. You know what, you know, that I drink and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, I drink. I have a tequila bottle in my room right now. And it's still, it's half full still. I don't drink it. So what do you think about, so now we're going to talk about the, the as I call it, Time Out Land, mm. USA 2020. It's also known as the pandemic of 2020. Mm-hmm. How's the pandemic of 2020, how are your friends dealing with it, being at home, if you've talked to them, or the ones that are still at work, living in their cities? 
Do you think drinking's become a bigger thing or a lesser thing? What do you think? I think that, yeah. I mean, I know friends who literally bought a kegerator, and they drink all the time. Um, but I think that it's, and I also, and I, I know other friends who are not drinking at all. Um, I mean, my girlfriend has only had, like, three beers this entire quarantine. And I think that it is going to be... I think that the, uh, this time is definitely ca- is going to cause a lot of issues of people realizing they don't like being around each other a lot, <laughs> and it's gonna and a way to cope with that is drinking. So yeah, it's a coping mechanism, and I think that it's. I mean, personally, myself, do I feel sometimes like I need to dr- get a drink? Yeah, I think everyone does, and I I think that I have the restraint to act on it and just like the other uh, Saturday. I like poured myself a drink for, and then sipped on it and nursed it the entire night. And that was the end of it. So, I think that, it, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. You're ready for this to be over? Yeah. But it hasn't been that horrible. What if you think has been, a, what have you gotten out of it? If they, maybe you didn't think you were going to get out of it. That you've, I know you can't look back that much because you're still in it. Yeah. I mean, we're still. I mean, in I it. definitely, I like the family time. Like, I don't get to spend that much time with my family because I live in D.C. and my parents live in my uh, parents live in Florida and my little brother is in North Carolina and my sister is in Charleston and everyone's all over the everyone's all over the map. And I mean, yeah, there's a really show that I only want to spend so much time with them now that I'm an adult because I have my, I'm so used to be having my own freedom to do what I want when I want yeah but I'm learning more that I'm enjoying my family time and enjoying spending time with them that I wouldn't really have and cherishing them well and it also helps to know that most people in the world have to stay in right now yes I mean there's nothing open yeah I mean is there fear and I and I hate talking about fear because I hate fear because I think there can only be faith but you don't, I mean, I know you worked in a restaurant in Washington. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I mean, they're looking forward to reopening. And they're doing really good things for the staff. They're opening and they're giving everyone free meals on Saturdays and um, trying to take care of everyone. So, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that the restaurant industry is probably the hardest beast to kill. And I think that, like, it's still thriving today. Like, we got takeout food yesterday. So, I mean, I think that you can't... But it's a lot of people work in that industry, right? A lot of people work in that industry, and it's going to take a while for it to rebound. But I think that it's when it rebounds, it's going to rebound hard. I think the younger generation is going to go out, like, my generation is going to go out and party like there's no tomorrow once this is lifted, and then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But... So it's been really fun having you on, Kent. It's been fun being on. I think it's been, it's, um, have you, but, but you've never been a listener. I've never been a listener, no. Do you know anybody that has? No, not that I know. I thought you heard of someone. I th- thought it would be a funny story to tell. No. The story in D.C., you saw somebody that said that they got sober. Who? You said somebody got sober over listening to Busy Living Sober. You were at some a party and some girl... Sydney walked up to you. Oh, yeah. I ran to an old family friend, and she was talking about 
how her friend had listened to this podcast and saw it and really thrived off of it and got sober because of it. Really? Yeah. Was that make you proud? Yeah. I mean, I told you at the beginning, I'm very proud of this. And I think that, I mean, I think that what you're doing is great. I mean, I don't listen to it just because, you know, I talk to you usually, I usually talk to you at least every day, every other day. So sometimes I want to break from your voice, but, (laughs) um, I get it. But I think that I I listen to other podcasts and I think that, you know, this is a great podcast for people who need it. I don't think I'm a person who needs it right now. And it's also your mother. And it's also my mom. So it's hard to take advice from her. It's hard to take advice from your mother. One day he'll want my advice. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been really awesome. This is a treat of the pandemic. I never thought I was going to get to do this, a podcast with my oldest son. Hadley's been on. I think Henry's even been on. But you've never been on. I think Hadley's been on a couple times. But this is the first time you've been on. Yeah, I wonder how we contrast. Oh, my (laughs) God. Isn't that exciting? We don't have to have it. It's not a competition. Not everything has to be a competition. You already know my stance right now. Okay. He has his stance. Nobody needs to know it. Um... But I really want to thank all my listeners, and we hope that you're doing well out there and our thoughts are with you and your families during this crazy timeout land, this pandemic. We hope you're healthy. And if you want to reach out to me and have any suggestions, topics, any ideas that you want us to cover, any comments, anything, you can reach me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busy, B-U-S-Y, living, L-I-V-I-N-G, sober.com busylivingsober.com and um, until next time thanks again Ken I'm really proud of you for coming on I'm so excited can I put a picture of you up with this by the way oh my gosh she's saying I can put a picture up too I'm so what a mom am I all right everybody until next time keep getting busy living sober bye bye